innovative, often duplicated. When enough people get on the trend, I elevate it. Make it way harder for them to follow what I take. It hard to swallow like a lozenger lodged in your trachea. Goodness gracious, bruh, I can never make this up. So just take your stuff, rake it up, and take the bus. Never fake the funk, you painted skunks. You played enough, I'm lifting bars to outer space, so the weight is up. Fight. WHUPLP Hillsborough, North Carolina, the center of the known world. This is the Cage Side Concussion Cast, your source for the fighting arts in North Carolina, South Carolina, and beyond. I am Jeff Shaw, and today our show is all about Pro Jitsu 4. If you don't know what Pro Jitsu is, get familiar. The Grappling Promotion's fourth pay per view event was held in Wilmington, North Carolina last night, and it featured 13 uh, Jiu Jitsu matches with modified submission only rules. The lovely and talented Trevor Hayes and I road tripped to the coast last night. We interviewed all 26 competitors at the event, and we checked out every single one of those matches. We're going to recap the whole event for you, play some excerpts from some of the interviews we did with some of the fighters, and give our o- overarching assessments of the show. So that's going to be most of how we spend our time today. We also do have two featured interviews today, and I'm really excited about these. Each of these featured interviews is with one of the main eventers from the Pro Jitsu card. Sarah McMahon is a UFC contender uh, and obviously a mixed martial artist. She's also an Olympic silver medalist in wrestling and an active competitor in both gi and no gi jiu-jitsu. Uh, Gibson Saw is a black belt who from SAS team who has a tremendous school and is a is a world-class competitor in both jiu-jitsu and has a burgeoning MMA career as well. Gibson had some fascinating things to say to us about his lineage, about why he's proud to represent for the Carolinas, about how the South Carolina jiu-jitsu scene has changed since he started his school, and about his budding MMA career. He'll also talk to us a little bit about how he prepared for that famous match he had with Hector Lombard when he submitted the UFC contender with a rear naked choke. Uh, those are going to be shorter than our typical uh, 40-minute in-depth interviews. They're going to be about 10 minutes each, but both of those are really interesting, and so I would suggest you stay tuned for those later in the show. As always, we're coming to you live on 104.7 FM and streaming live at whoopfm.org, whupfm.org. And as always, we're going to start by summarizing martial arts news from the area. In this case, we've got a, a bunch of upcoming events for you. So here's how the show is going to be structured today, guys. We're going to do the news. We're going to break down the Pro Jitsu matches, and Trevor Hayes is going to call in for that. And then we're going to get into our featured interviews with Sarah McMahon and Gibson Saw. So if we missed anything that's coming up, please let us know. We're on Twitter and Instagram at CagesideWHUP. You can also shout us out using the hashtag CagesideWHUP on Twitter and Instagram. You can get at us via email, CagesideWHUP at gmail.com, and on Facebook at Cageside Radio. All of this information is also on our show page at whoopfm.org. If you miss us, you can always catch the replay at whoopfm.org. We are also archived on iTunes and Stitcher and SoundCloud. Please subscribe to us there, and if you like the show, leave us a review. So without further ado, let's get into the news. Uh, one thing that's coming up immediately, and if you're streaming us live, you'll want to get out to this if you're anywhere near the, the triangle. If you're, uh, if, you're, uh, if you're listening on the podcast later, uh, don't worry, Andrew Smith will come back. But Andrew Smith, a.k.a. Goat Fury, really good black belt who has a school, Revolution BJJ in Richmond, uh, Virginia, is teaching a seminar at Triangle Jiu-Jitsu Durham, North Carolina today at 1 p.m. That seminar is going to be on the deep half guard. It's a very powerful and very popular sport jiu-jitsu position. Bernardo Faria uses it, who, who has gone basically undefeated the last couple of years, and Andrew is one of its best practitioners in the area. That's $45, and as soon as I get out of the show, I'm going to head over there and train with Andrew, and so if you're listening, you should consider doing that as well. 
Our other big news, which is a little bit further off, once again, the Concussion Cast Carnival is happening May 1st. The Concussion Cast Carnival is our event that we're throwing with a bunch of local schools, with some of the other WHUP hosts, and with everybody who just likes to hang out in downtown Durham. May 1st from noon to 3 p.m., we're going to take over the Durham Farmer's Market. We're going to roll in two food trucks, the Delicious Food Truck and Will and Pop's Food Truck. Triangle Beans and Bowls will be there serving acai bowls and cold-pressed coffee, and we're going to have... 12 amazing jiu-jitsu super fights. Uh, we've broken down that card and posted it several times. I'll talk a little bit about some of the matches I'm most excited about, but before I do that, I want to emphasize that we also have two absolutely free seminars. For you sports jiu-jitsu folks, Daniel Frank is going to teach a seminar on the worm guard, an innovative new guard using the lapel and the gi, and Seth Champ, my instructor, along with Shayla Tu and Kim Rice, are going to teach free seminars for women's self-defense. So no matter whether you're really into sports jiu-jitsu and you really like competing, you'd have something for the Daniel Frank seminar. If you have friends who are women who just want to learn to defend themselves and maybe have no martial arts experience whatsoever, there'll be something for you too as well. And one other thing, everybody who's listening, so Daniel Frank is kind enough to teach a, uh, a free seminar for us, and we really appreciate that. Daniel's also looking for a match at the carnival, and he competes all the time. He's one of the most active competitors around, but rarely has anybody in his weight class. And so if you are a black belt that is 150 pounds and would like a gi match, or if you know a black belt who is around 150 pounds and would like a gi match, by golly, get at me at cagesidewhoop at gmail.com, and we'll set that up. Joining me now on the air, hopefully is Trevor Hayes. Trevor, do I have you on the line? This is Trevor Hayes calling from his house because I set the wrong alarm. <laughs> These things happen. Trevor get, it, it, we get it, Trevor's off the hook because we went on a long road trip yesterday, which uh, spanned a dozen hours, many cups of coffee, and 13 jiu-jitsu matches. We saved at least three wild animals from a flood also. Absolutely. It was sort of like Bambi, but with chokes. It was. And without fires. So uh, yeah, much less fires. <laughs> word. So Trevor, we're just uh, I've just finished talking about the carnival. Uh, we're finishing up the news segment, and then we'll get into the the pro jitsu recap. So if you have Absolutely. so so a couple of grappling events, and then Trevor has a kickboxing event that I I want him to promote. Upcoming. So please show up to the carnival May first. It's going to be amazing. Tons of great food. Tons of great matches. Free seminars. Do it. Um, if you want to compete yourself, U.S. Grappling Greensboro is April 23rd. Registration is open for that right now. It's going to be really fun. I'm going to compete there. You should compete there, especially if you do jiu-jitsu. Even if you don't, you should learn jiu-jitsu and go compete there anyway. Um, finally, um, there is a kickboxing card. Kickboxing comes back to the triangle. I believe, Trevor, that that is May 15th at Dorton Arena. Is that right? May, May 14th. May 14th. Yeah, it is, it is going to be a chock-full show of uh, amateur kickboxing and professional Muay Thai. Uh, for people that don't know, um, the amateur bouts will allow punches, kicks, and knees, uh, no elbows, limited clinch work, and uh, no knees to the head, whereas in the pro matches will be full-blown Muay Thai rules. So uh, we actually apparently have uh, on that show, from what I've heard, there's going to be guys like pros flying in from New York, Florida, I think a couple cats out from California, actually. Wow. That's that, that's tremendous, you know, and, and this is the card, the same promotion that was canceled a couple months ago due to the snow, is that right? Yeah, there was a lot of, uh, it was supposed to be a long time ago, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, the show was moved because of snow and because of uh, also the next level fight card. Oh, right. Um, uh, yeah, they, they ended up putting the date at the same time, and uh, they ended up changing the dates. I currently have a dog breaking through my fence in my backyard, so I'm kind of 
I was a little distracted by that. I'm sorry. Is it one of your dogs? <laughs> or is it Charlie's? No, it, no, it's the neighbor's dog. <laughs> it's head through a hole in the fence, and my dog is thoroughly entertained right now. Oh, right um, it's, my dog is perplexed. I apologize for this being on air right now. But yeah, oh. I'm, I'm really excited. There's going to be a lot of local guys on this show. Um, and uh, myself, I'll be cornering, uh, I think, about five guys on the show between guys from my school and uh, local guys that I help train. So May 14th at Dorton Arena, everybody be sure to go out and support and support kickboxing. Both me and Trevor will be there. Trevor will be cornering, and we will be covering the event. So hopefully we'll do a oh, lot and, like and we... the next weekend after that will be the next level fight club comes back to rally also. Oh, and that's professional mixed martial arts. Yes, yes it is. So we will be at that as well. Yeah, a bunch of local folks on the show. And so we'd like to do more of these where Trevor and I get out to events that and, and cover it, and take audio and play it on the show later, which is what we're going to do today. We're going to cover the entire Pro Jitsu card. And so perhaps we'll be able to do that for kickboxing and MMA. One of the purposes of the show that Trevor and I both like to talk about is covering the grassroots um, martial arts scene in North Carolina. And so uh, show up to those events, support those fighters, and listen to the show the next day. Yeah, come shake our hands. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, shake Trevor's hand. I'm a germaphobe. I'm not really. <laughs> so now it's about that time, folks. We're going to, like, this is our Pro Jitsu focused show. And so on the other side of this bumper, Trevor and I are going to start breaking down what we thought of the show, what our favorite matches were. We'll play some sounds from some of the competitors, and we'll get into it right after this. Jiu Jitsu is part of the solution, Jiu Jitsu saves lives. It's the Cage Side Concussion Cast on WHUPFN.org. So let's get right to it, Trevor. Do you have an overall impression of Pro Jitsu's fourth show? Yeah, I uh, I was pretty impressed, you know. Um, they did a good job of putting on some uh, some uh, showmanship. Uh, the walkout, the, the themed lights, the dim lights around where people were sitting. Um I thought it was kind of cool to sit there and look back because the room was pretty dark and they had the two lights shining right on the mat. Um, kind of made that professional feel, if you will. Um, and uh, also really glad to see that there's, uh, you know, a show uh, in Wilmington like that where they're really bringing guys around uh, for Wilmington. Supporting just in Wilmington. It was awesome to see. It was also, um, I was really impressed with the crowd overall because it was very quiet. It was a very uh, educated crowd. Yeah, I agree with all of that, although I was a little bummed it was so quiet because I wanted to get a Brian Freeman oh, chant started, yeah, but it, it would it would have felt out of place, yeah. though. It would have felt out of place. I really wanted to do it, but, yeah. but, but I agree with you. I thought it was, on balance, a very strong top-to-bottom show, and what I liked about it was I think there was a little bit of something for, for everybody in that they had, they had everybody on the show from white belts to black belts. They had, uh, they had gi matches. They had no gi matches. They had little guys. They had big guys. They had women's matches. And they had, um, you know, they had fast-paced matches. There were matches that were more sort of station-to-station. Station. Uh, a wide range in the competitors uh, of experience. And, uh, and by and large, I thought the matches were very entertaining. Like, a lot of the ma- there weren't a lot of, of squash matches. There were a lot of matches that were back and forth. And sometimes people like to hate on draws. But in this event, even the fights that didn't go to submission... I thought were very good to watch. They were very entertaining. Like for example, very very competitive. Yes. Yeah, and so 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 I thought on, on by and large it was from top to bottom a, re- a really strong show. And I think a really good effort. And you make a really good point also about uh, you know the, the more events of this nature we can have, the better. And the more we have in different parts of the state, 
the better because then you get folks that haven't competed against each other before, you know, getting a taste of each other's styles. You get a little more cross-pollination that helps everybody get better. Uh, gyms get new exposure that people haven't really seen before. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure there's a lot of times, that's a lot of people, it's the first time I've seen a Gibson stock compete. Yeah. So and, it's, it's great to see gyms get new exposure. Yeah, and what a and and you know if you haven't seen Gibson compete before, wow, you know get get out there and watch that guy's matches because in addition to being very skilled, he's really entertaining to watch. Um, yes. And so we'll get into that right before we play the. Uh, we're getting to Gibson's match right before we play uh, the Gibson interview. But um, uh, Trevor, you and I talked about this in the car ride on the on the way home, and I said I was going to ask what you thought the match of the night was, and and why you thought that. Yeah, we both agreed on this, and uh, uh, we both agreed that the. Um Josh Murdoch, and he competed against, I got the... Gardner Watkins. Card right in front. Ah, you and your fast brain. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the yeah, coffee. Gardner Watkins, great match. Um, very technical, very good, steady pace. Uh, Josh was constantly attacking. Gardner uh, constantly defending. He escaped some very close submissions, uh, and it still finished with Josh getting the, the wrist lock submission. It was just... A really awesome match, and um, there are lots of oohs and ahs and ooh, did you see that from the crowd? Um, just because of the very close escapes from Gardner Watkins. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, and Josh, Josh, like he was talking about, uh, he said he wants to attack with some omoplatas, and he, he used his omoplatas for some great setups for some attacks. Yeah, I agree with all of that, and and it, it was it was an incredibly entertaining match that like that. Um, was very smooth and very technical, even though guy, both guys, you know, uh, b- both guys were athletic as well. But like, uh, it was very smooth, very technical. Lots of setups, what we call lock flows, or just just transitions from a position to another. And you know, I was really impressed with Gardner's escapes. I was really pr- impressed with Gardner's heart. That first arm lock that Josh caught him in, I thought was really deep, and I thought it was going to finish. And the match went on. He had, first. A, he had a very tight collar choke at one point. And- well, you'd see his hand was hovering, getting ready to tap. Yeah, you know, and, and I mean, and what I loved about it, too, is like, and you mentioned the quietness of the crowd, right? And the crowd, like, sort of paying attention to every detail. And so you could hear Josh being coached by C.J. Murdoch, his brother, who's a black belt, and Jeremy Arell, uh, who owns Great Grappling, who's a tremendous coach and instructor as well. And so you could hear, like, the little adjustments that they were suggesting that Josh make when, like, Everyone would say, oh, man, why isn't Gardner tapping? And then CJ and, and, and Jeremy would be able to say, okay, Josh, grab his far side elbow, do this, do that. And so it was, for, for those that are you know, sort of students of the game, I thought that was pretty, pretty interesting as well. Um, it was a very good chess match. Yeah, definitely. And like, one, one other thing, like, and I'm going to play about a minute of sound uh, from, from me and Trevor's interview with Josh here in a second. The other cool thing about it is it's really nice to even see Josh back on the mat. You know, he's a tremendous comeback story. He is. He uh, got plowed into by a car mm-hmm. uh, when he was riding his bike he was leaving a, a corner store and just got run run over by a car and had his back broken had a lot of uh, surgeries done to his back and it's apparently it's a miracle he can even walk yeah and you know he, he thought like they 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 told him he might not compete again. And, you know, if you know Josh, you know how much he loves jiu-jitsu. You know, for him to be back on the mat competing again, especially at a high level, especially at a brown belt level on a super fight card, is just a tremendous thing, and we uh, we couldn't be happier for the guy. So let's listen to Josh talk about that for just a second. My name is Joshua Murdoch. I weighed 155 pounds, and I'm training out of great grappling Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Uh, how's it feel to be back in competition, man? You've had a rough couple years with the, the, the being run over and you're having your spine rebuilt like the million dollar man. Like, how's everything been? Like, you have had an amazing turnaround, an amazing recovery, and it's great to see you back in action because everyone loves some Josh Murdoch. 
Yeah, it, <laughs> yeah, it's, it feels really, really good to to be back competing. I absolutely love competing. I thought that I wasn't going to get to compete anymore, and I was super, super lucky. I had really good doctors, had really good physical therapists, and uh, like my back feels way better than it did, even better than it did last year with the bars in it. It's just like. I feel like I'm more flexible than I was before. I feel like I'm stronger than I was before. So I don't know how I got so lucky. <laughs> so so all of us are really really happy for Josh uh, to be back on the mat. And listening to him talk about that really sort of highlights how close he was to not being able to compete at all. And uh, I do want to also yeah. I do also want to call out Trevor on one thing because if not Matt Moretz will will write in anyway, which is the million dollar man is Ted DiBiase who uh, everybody has a price for. The six million dollar man is the guy who was rebuilt. We have the technology. I'm old. Oh, that's right. Man. It was the six million. Oh, I'm such an idiot. It's all, the only, what's the difference? What's a little five million dollars between friends? Exactly. So anything to add about Josh's match, Trevor? No, just uh, once again happy to see him come back. You know, he's so much come back from a. Uh, from breaking his neck and breaking his back and and he's right in there just still rolling around and he still has a very inverted game and every time you see him roll it's like oh I hope his back is okay and it's totally fine makes him feel like a giant baby <laughs> well, uh, uh, you know. Anyway, everybody, everybody's really happy for Josh and CJ. CJ and Josh are both going to compete at the carnival. So, if you'd like to see uh, two guys that really love jujitsu uh, do their thing, come out to the carnival on May first. Uh, another one of the matches that I wanted to highlight was the black belt versus brown belt match. Brian Edwards from Swamp Fox Jiu Jitsu and Brian Crandall, who is one of the founders of Geese for GIs, which we'll talk about in a second. And I thought that was a, a pretty terrific match. Like one of my favorite parts about it was that. Uh, you know, Brian Edwards, who is a relatively new black belt, uh, three months in, uh, had a really, like, these guys had one of the most, I thought, strategic matches. It was a technical sort of very, one, it's a big part of what I love about gi jiu-jitsu is just kind of going station to station, solidifying positions, and setting up techniques. And Brian Edwards wound up winning that by mounted triangle. And uh, so that was one of, one of my favorite matches of the night. Uh, Trevor, do you have any impressions of that match? No, I, I completely agree. It had a very uh, methodical pace to it. Um, you know, neither one was really, really trying to explode and uh, jump for submissions and, and jump the gun on stuff. Uh, both things that guys did as far as defending and attacking were both very technical, very, very, just a very small game of inches. And the, uh, Brian's school, Swamp Fox, I should say Brian Edwards' school, Battle of the Brian's. Uh, Brian Edwards' school, yeah, Swamp Fox Jiu-Jitsu had a, a really good night with Amber Sinke uh, going to a draw with Sarah McMahon, and Will Rogers also had a terrific draw with Chaz Valentine, which were, you know, again, like these draws were not slow plotting draws. These were like action-packed, back-and-forth yeah. stuff. So, so I thought his school did really well. Uh, Trevor asked Brian some questions, uh, Brian Edwards some questions that I thought were pretty interesting. I'm going to play a file from, uh, I'm going to play some sound from Brian Edwards and then maybe go right into uh, Brian Crandall talking about Geese for GIs. Oops. That's still what, a month ago, two months ago, or uh, three months ago. Yeah, I'm way off with my time. No, no, it's very recent. Yeah, yeah. thank you. Uh, how how surreal was that feeling to you? It was um, it was very surreal. I've only been training for about eight years, mm -hmm. and uh, at Brown Belt I won the Pan Ams, mm -hmm. and then also won uh, the Nogi Worlds at Brown Belt as well. And so I kind of didn't have a choice at that point. I, I had to take my black belt, which is which was an honor, but at the same time, at eight years, it was kind of fast for me and. 
I'm a little bit older and I have five children and I, my three oldest ones train and hopefully my two younger ones will train when they get of age as well. But um, but anyway, yeah, thank you for the congrats on the black belt. It's um, It still is surreal. When I put it on for training, it's still I still feel like, wow, I can't believe this thing is mine. Um, and when I put it on tonight, it'll feel the same way. You know, I can't believe it's mine. Um, I don't feel like I'm at that level yet. Hopefully one day I'll be comfortable with it and say I feel like I, you know, I wear it well. Do you have a specific game plan that you're going to look to implement today, or are you just going to take where the match goes? Um, you know, I, I like to lay out a game plan, and then when I get to the match, I do something completely different. Um, so, I mean, do I have a game plan? No, I really don't. Um, I like to feel the person out first. So I like to feel their grips. I like to lock up. I like to feel where they're going. I'm kind of a reactionary um, person in the gi, so um, we'll see where it goes. Uh, I know your original opponent, oh. Sam Vanderslice, apparently oh. didn't make uh, Brian Crandall, 215, and I trained at Evolution Mixed Martial Arts in Wilmington, right, Wrightsville Beach. I run a charity called Geese for GIs. I'm a founder. Yeah, I, uh, I ship geese worldwide to uh, active duty military, veterans, and first responders. we got to take care of those guys. 22 is an atrocity. One's too many. 22 is an atrocity. Let's bring that down. So yeah, so those guys. And I apologize for that for clicking on the wrong file at first, but like those guys had a yeah, trip. That's not part of the interview. Oops. Yeah, but uh, you know, technical. Yeah. Dif- it wouldn't be the concussion gas without a few technical difficulties. But right. uh, but yeah, so you heard Brian Edwards talk a little bit bit about earning his black belt in just about eight years, about competing at the pans and stuff like that. Uh, so congrats to him. It was a terrific match. The mounted triangle finish was really nice. And uh, Trevor, let's talk a little bit about geese for GIs and uh, and mission twenty two. You know, and Brian sort of. Alluded to Brian Crandall sort of alluded to Mission 22 as well, which are two really good charitable efforts to try to help veterans uh, that um, that are interested in jiu-jitsu. And so, uh, yeah, it is it is an amazing thing that they're doing. Um, it, it's really heartbreaking to hear about um, these, these guys coming back from overseas and they don't have an outlet. And uh, you can see um, that jiu-jitsu it, it does save lives for a lot of these guys. These combat sports they need that that outlet. Um, they need something to do when they get back home, um, and, and we're, we're we're very big about trying to help these guys out. Like you said, that you've you've donated you've donated about six keys to keys yeah. for GIs. Yeah, I had a lot of keys, and now yeah, yeah, you, you had the Toro Cup, which was for uh, Mission Twenty Two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and like the jujitsu communities, the jujitsu communities are really wonderful, giving, and generous community, and especially when it's a cause that, as you say, is this important. It's really important for us to, to get behind and support folks that are trying to improve their lives like this, and we're going to post a link on our Facebook page to Geese for GIs, as well as our Twitter account, so if you're interested in either donating geese, donating your time, or getting involved, um, that'll be a way that you can get involved with that great organization that Brian Crandall helped to found. Um, so yeah, so that was one of my favorite matches, and another one of my favorite matches was between the two warriors on wheels, Brian Freeman and Mike Fink. Great guys! It was great to finally meet uh, Mike Fink. Uh, friends on Facebook for a while. Great to meet him in person. Uh, he and Brian Freeman. I've, I've met him from when he started training, and uh, just those guys ha- have just the best attitudes on life. It's so great to see those two guys, the way they interact and, and, and the way they competed. Yeah, and like, frankly, I was really impressed with Mike Fink's jiu-jitsu. Like, I've trained with Brian a fair bit, and Brian's a beast. And he's he's a blue belt. He's, you know, he's competed a bunch. I think has more experience than Mike and is a little bit bigger. And so I thought Mike did a terrific job. He had a couple of sweeps, reversed the position, uh, which is, is hard to do against an upper belt that has more experience than you. And the other thing about, about that match that I noticed is, like, if you've rolled with Brian, Brian goes for the finish all the time. 
and uh, so, and so and so it was really cool to watch him and like the way that match wound up finishing and uh, and I gotta shout shout out Roy Marsh on this so so Brian loves to attack this straight arm lock and if he isn't able to get it and he's never he's did, he does this a bunch in training but had never done it in a tournament before you can turn that straight arm lock into a wrist lock and that was how that match wound up finishing after I believe like seven or eight minutes of back and forth action and so so Brian Brian Freeman with his first his first ever wrist lock finishing competition so some congrats to him for that. I also want to play a little bit. We didn't get the entirety of the interview, but this this will give you some of the flavor of. So so these, the, both Brian and Mike are in wheelchairs. You can follow them on Instagram at uh, Brian is wheelchair jitsu and Mike Fink is ninja on wheels. And so th- this will give you some taste of what it's like uh, to interview those two guys. I predict our match will not start standing. I'll, I'll, buy, you a, I'll buy you lunch if you bear and bowl him. <laughs> I'll buy him a lunch. Yeah. <laughs> So that's the first thing Brian Freeman says when he wheels up for the interview is, I bet our match won't start standing. And that gives you an idea of the guy's sense of humor. So, uh, so yeah, and we would... And they, both, they both guaranteed on, uh, on attacking those legs as well. That was funny. Yeah. So, and, and, and Trevor, you, you suggested, and I think everybody would like, if we were able to get, you know, I don't know where Mike is based out of, but, like, Brian is based locally and uh, is in the Mike triangle a lot. Mike is based out of Fitness Edge in Middle uh, Beach, South hmm. Carolina. Well, we'd love to get Brian in the studio because he's more local, but if Mike's ever in the area, I think we, we'd love to get those guys into the studio as well for a full in-person interview. Oh, they'd be, they'd be great on air together. So, guys, if you're listening, get in touch, and let's let's make that happen. And if you're not listening, wow, you really should be listening. So, they should be listening. So, another, so, so, so those are a couple of cool stories uh, that, that happened during, during the event. Another thing that was maybe a little bit more controversial... Or at least a little bit more. Uh, how, Everybody. Shall, uh, how shall I say this? A little bit more. Um, so there a little. There was a little drama, and uh, we, we a little, little bit of drama. A little, yeah. little bit of drama. So Char- Charlie Brake, uh, who uh, r- took a match on very short notice, like maybe just a few hours notice, you know, because he had trained that day before and wasn't even sure he was gonna he was gonna get to compete, and he ended up uh, he, he ended up taking that match, and the reason that he had to take that match caused a little bit of a call out. And Trevor, do you want to say a little bit about uh, about uh, what about how that match came to be? Yeah, um, Sam Vanderslice uh, used to be out of Fayetteville, North Carolina. Uh, he moved uh, with his family in a new job uh, out of state. I don't know exactly where he moved to, but um, I remember he was set to compete against Jamie Pickett, a fellow. Uh, he's also a brown belt uh, alongside Sam and MMA uh, competitor. Uh, Sam. Apparently was not going to be able to make weight, and uh, apparently it was way out of the weight class that Jamie wanted it to be, um, because Jamie was competing as walk around weight, while Sam was uh, cutting weight, and as it turned out, the match did not happen. And so that caused a, a little bit of a heated Jamie Pickett. Yeah, and Jamie Pickett, one of the coolest, most laid-back dudes you could hope to meet, but he was not happy with the way this went. And we have about a minute of our interview with him that I'm going to play right now that will give you some sense of, uh, of how Jamie Pickett uh, felt about this. Uh, I know your original opponent, Sam Vanderslice, apparently didn't make weight. Do you foresee maybe a, or whatever happened with that, um, do you foresee possibly a future matchup with him? Do you want to get a match with him again? I don't know much about him. He's apologized about a lot of stuff, but it's, it's very like unprofessional, you know. I'm an MMA fighter. I'm a pro MMA fighter. I always make weight. I always come in when I'm supposed to. I don't bull jive. I'm very straightforward. I grew up on a farm, so I'm very straightforward about 
stuff I do. And if you say you're gonna do something, do it. He said he had some problems with his family and stuff. I don't know. If he did, God bless them. Hope everything's right. But I wouldn't mind for me and him just do an MMA fight. You know, he's going to. Go, he should be going pro now, right? I thought he had gone pro. I would love to do an MMA fight. You know, anywhere if you wanted to do it. You know, he's a, he's my size, 185. He's big. He's a brown belt, right? Be good if he shows. So yeah, some strong words from Jamie Pickett, and he said similar stuff after he ended up. Um, he and Charlie had a really good, fun match, and I thought Charlie acquitted himself very well, giving up about thirty pounds of solid muscle to a man who looks like an action figure, and they had a really fun. Yeah, Charlie coming off of not a lot of time of doing jiu-jitsu, he was focusing on a lot of uh, Muay Thai fights recently, so he was just getting back in the swing of things and. Everyone loves Charlie for for having that always ready to see attitude. Yeah, and big props to him for that. And like, and I love it when 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 you see guys do that. Like you said, Charlie, great attitude. Came in, said, "Hey, you know, I just trained earlier today. Haven't been doing much jujitsu, but." And he he and Jamie had a really good fun match. And Jamie sort of we did that interview with Jamie right before the event happened. And Jamie sort of repeated that same sentiment in his in his victory speech. Was like, and and so you know we, we will see if anything comes of that. But it seems like that's what Jamie Pickett wants. So uh, on, on a more yeah, that'd be great. On, yeah no I mean I think I think the fans would like to see that on, on a happier note so a couple of other things that I liked and we're getting to you know we'll, we'll get into our featured interview and talk about the main event fights in a, in a bit but something that I loved was we had two guys talk about how jujitsu had really benefited their lives one of those guys was Luke Humphreys who uh, had some really powerful words about um, how jiu-jitsu had helped him lose a bunch of weight, get more self-confidence, and he wound up um, winning, uh, tapping his opponent out to neon belly pressure. You remember that match, Trevor? Yeah, that was a, that was a surprisingly quick match. Um, uh, Luke was such a good, humble kid. It was great to see him go out there and get the win. And um, really, it was like he just had some amazing neon belly pressure. He was really just driving that knee into the sternum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so, yeah, and so let, let's hear from Luke. This, here's what he said before, before his match. I'm Luke Humphreys. I usually stay at around 245. I'm a little heavy at 260 right now. I train at JBM Jiu-Jitsu in Wilmington, North Carolina. Before Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, I was over 300 pounds, and I didn't really talk to anybody. I had a self-esteem issue, and Jiu-Jitsu helped me through that a lot. Win or lose, you always win because you're learning, no matter what. Even if you lose, you learn. If you don't learn from it, you will eventually. And I mean, that's another, if you want to talk about having a terrific attitude, that is the attitude to have. That whether you, you know, that jujitsu is going to improve your life, competing is going to improve your life, putting yourself out there is going to improve your life. And if you don't win, you'll learn. And if you don't learn, you will eventually. And, I, and so, and in this case, uh, uh, Luke didn't just get a moral victory, he got a submission victory as well. Absolutely, yeah. It is. Great. I know that uh, that was definitely a highlight for him, uh, winning in his hometown crowd, uh, especially for someone that had the, as I said, like the personal issues before his self-esteem and weight. You know, that's always great to see people come out of their show like that through uh, sports like jujitsu. And another guy, and another another match that I thought was very was a lot of fun, and another another competitor who had who said some things that I thought were really wise about jiu-jitsu and the role it, it, it plays is so Chris Luter from Gracie Rowley uh, took on Mark Dillon from American Top Team out of Asheville and Mark Dillon had been on a spring break vacation down in, in Florida beforehand and had a very sweet hat uh, from, from the spring break vacation. Sweet hat, yeah. yeah. And so I asked him a question. I, I, I thought, okay, man, uh, you know, it must be 
strange to go straight. For, I, I wondered if it might be difficult for him to go from vacation mode into 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 combat mode. And so I asked him this, and, and here's what he said. How do you go from transitioning from spring break to a match like this? Does it make it easier because you haven't had a lot of time to think, or does it make it harder because you haven't been training? Well, I'll tell you what. My coach, Butch, has taught us that basically, you know, jiu-jitsu is, you know, you could be out on the street and end up in a fight. So that's what jiu-jitsu is, is self-defense. So you really should be ready to use jiu-jitsu every day, all day. There is no break. And so, Trevor, you and I both talked about how it was really nice to see at least you know s several of the competitors acknowledge jujitsu is primarily a self-defense art, and you got to be ready all the time. Yeah, I loved hearing that because that's very true. Uh, jujitsu is first and foremost, especially with the people familiar with horse grade jujitsu, they believe that self-defense first. Um, you know, and then they believe uh, that the sporting aspect of it is very important as well. But I love it when I hear people believe the, the to me the martial arts side of it, the self-defense side. Yeah, most yeah, definitely. It's awesome. It's always, it's always great to hear that people that will still compete at a high level still believe in that way. Like it, it's, you never want to knock on people that focus on sports jujitsu. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's always great to hear people believing that it's still you know martial arts first and it's a self defense first. And one thing I always talk about to extend on what you say is that I always think the sport versus self defense dichotomy is is mostly artificial. In the like, and what I love about about competition is you see guys like Mark Dillon who are self-defense focused but are still very successful in competition. A lot of the guys from Team Hoist Gracie are like that. You know, uh, my coach Seth Champ, Jay Palacios, uh, you know, Jesse Herzog. Do, you know, dudes that have really excellent, obvious uh, self-defense real-world skills still do really well in competitive grappling. And Mark Dillon, uh, you know, and you and I both know how tough a guy Chris Luter is. Really tough guy, really terrific competitor, and Mark Dillon wound up submitting him with a very slick Darce choke after some back-and-forth action for about five and six minutes, which I thought was a, was a really... Uh, it was a, that was another one of my, my favorite matches. Luter is always really fun to watch, and I'd never seen Mark before, but I was really impressed with both of those guys' technique during that match. Very impressed, yeah. So we're going to get into uh, so we have we're going to get into our featured interviews in just about five minutes. But before we do that, before we and and during those matches, like right before we play the interviews, me and Trevor are going to break down the co-main event matches that those interview per participants um, competed in. But I would like I have three highlights of the night that I haven't mentioned that I would just like to throw quick shout outs on like three moments that I thought were really awesome. And I would like to talk about those. And Trevor, maybe you can think about some things that we haven't talked about that you would want to shout out while, while, as well. Um, so the three highlights of the night for me that we haven't mentioned so far, like we've had we, we've had a ton of highlights that we've talked about. The Josh Murdoch comeback story, really great match with Gardner Watkins. We talked about Brian Edwards and Brian, Brian Crandall having a good match. We talked about the Warriors on wheels, about Charlie Brake taking a match on short notice, about, you know, all, all this really good stuff. But the three other things that leaped out at me. So first, uh, the blue belt Alex Williams, he started the night off with a really sweet flying arm bar. And that video is going around Facebook, and I will try to, uh, to, to grab that and pilfer it for the concussion cast. Facebook page as well because it's always nice to see a slick flying armbar and it really I thought set a good tone for the night that like there would be a lot of attacking there would be a lot of submission focused grappling and so it was cool to see that come out uh, to start the night off the second highlight that I'd like to mention Jeremy Schwizo had a really nice finish from the Crucifix position. He had a, a really fast-paced no-gi match with Jose Davila, who is also a really fun grappler to watch. 
And uh, so not only did he do this really slick finish, rolling through to the crucifix position, for those of you that haven't had a tough time visualizing that, it's where you use your legs to trap one of his arms and your arm to trap the other of his arms, and then you attack uh, for the finish, which Jeremy did, and then thanked his cat after the uh, thanked his mom and his cat after, which I thought was awesome, really class move. That was hysterical. Yeah, I know. Schwizo's the man, um, and and we're, we're gonna we're gonna uh, I'm also gonna show his. Uh, we, we took some cool photos of him as well that you can check out on the Facebook page. I thought that was uh, anyway. I thought it was a very cool, very cool finish, really slick um, and, and fun to watch. And the final highlight that I would like to, to to talk about is I thought John Wood's match with Eugene Cabanu was a real coming out party for John Wood if people haven't watched John compete. John is a blue belt who trains out of Forged Fitness. He also trains a bunch of striking as well. But he's been really successful with uh, competitive jiu-jitsu, particularly with his arm bars. And even though that match wound up a draw, I thought John opened a ton of eyes because he really, like G- Eugene had won the Pro Jiu-Jitsu Blue Belt Inventational before. And I really thought John dominated that match. You know, he dominated it positionally. Yeah. He, uh, he took Eugene's back, was threatening chokes, and he had him in an, locked in a tight armbar position for about four minutes. And, I mean, G- Eugene is a very strong, well-conditioned hulk of a man who it didn't even look yeah, like well, those... Realize that, that, that there's like a six-inch height difference, I, I want to say. It was a real David versus Goliath because John Wood is someone that walks around at about 143 on a fat day. Mm-hmm. He's not a very big guy. And then you have Eugene Sato, who's someone that cuts down from what you say, like 180, 185, to 155. He's just... Like, I just remember seeing her in the interview. I'm like, wow, what... Why? Why? Yeah, it's Just stunning. Why? It, why are you so big? It, I mean, it's really stunning to think that like those guys would compete in the same weight class. And so, uh, and, and I mean, Eugene, and he's not, and, and le- he's not a fluffy guy either. He's he's ripped. I mean, yeah. he has, oh, yeah. you know. And, and so, so anyway, like I, I thought, and especially with Eugene having done so well in the Blue Belt Invitational and having been so successful competitively, I think a lot of folks that don't know who John Wood is, uh, I mean. I think that showed a lot of people the type of the type of matches he's capable of putting on. So I was super impressed with him. Uh, Trevor, before we talk about Sarah McMahon's match and interview, do you have any highlights that you want to mention? Well, I think we, we pretty much covered all the fights, and that was the one thing that I really wanted to talk about was the uh, Eugene Cabano and uh, John Wood match, that mm-hmm. David versus Goliath, and then Jeremy's great uh, uh, naked choke attack from Crucifix. Mm-hmm. Well, then, in that case, let's get right into the main events. Um, so, Sarah McMahon, UFC fighter, Olympic silver medalist, really, really successful no-gi grappler in many disciplines, competed against Amber Senke, who just got her purple belt and won the pans. And I like to, and so a, a couple things. Like, uh, you know, Sarah is obviously one of the most impressive athletes around, and it was exciting to see her on this card. But I'll tell you, Trevor, I was really impressed with Amber in this match. This match wound up going to a draw, and although. I would say Sarah positionally dominated the match. She got good takedowns, was putting top pressure down the whole time. I was really impressed with Amber's defense. She defended um, Sarah's head and arm choke attempts a couple times. It was really, really good at getting her guard back and trapping Sarah in close guard. Is that your impression? Yeah, yeah. you talked about John Wood having a coming out party. This is a huge coming out party for Amber. Um, for anyone that doesn't know, is uh, they previously had a match... Um, I can't remember where they previously competed against each other before, but uh, it was like a year uh, I remember, ago. Like Sarah, yeah. yeah, roughly a year ago, and Sarah had a uh, she she won the match um, against Amber at that time, and um, you know it, it was a totally different match at that time. Uh, so this match was great to see Amber. She stayed very calm. She was always looking to the defense, always trying to to attack for sweeps. And um, what people realize is that it's hard enough to go against a high school or low-level college wrestler when you have no wrestling. 
it's that, and then it's a different world when you have someone that is a Olympic silver medalist on top of you. Yeah, people like, don't that understand is just that. A different world that people don't understand. Like it's just hard to fathom that. True, and so you I might as well be a toddler facing a full-grown human. Yeah, no, and like people, like I, I, you know, I heard, I heard some of the other folks who have trained with Amber talk about how good Amber's sprawl is, and I don't doubt that it's good. I don't doubt it, but like you know, an Olympic wrestler, that's that's a different kind of, you you need a different kind of sprawl. But again, I mean, it seems like we yeah. were both really impressed with Amber. I think, I mean, it just shows how much how how much her skills are improved over in the last year. But um, we spe- we don't have a full interview with Amber, but we do have about four and a half minutes with Sarah McMahon, and so let's get into that. She was one of the nicest ladies we have ever talked to. Super nice, and we're going to see if we can. Yeah, well, and we may have some announcements uh, about her in the next week. I hope so. But for yeah, now, so fingers crossed. Indeed, well, let's hear from Sarah McMahon for a few minutes. But, but um, and if I could help that, I definitely would. But. Oops. Amazing to meet you, and uh, it is so great to see that you're you're out competing at jiu-jitsu matches like this. Are you all about um, trying to spread you know jiu-jitsu and competition on a more like local or global scene? Would you say? Um, I think that really more it's just loving to compete in general. Um, I really like no gi jiu-jitsu. I like the gi too, but I don't really do it as much just because of you know still competing and fighting, but. Um, I just think it keeps you sharp, and I would love to see jiu-jitsu continue to grow, have a unified rule set, and, you know, like, compete at the highest level in worlds in the Olympics, you know, like, with everybody under the same kind of uh, rule set, but, um, and if I could help that, I definitely would, but... I just love to do it. So for, for those that aren't familiar, you're a silver medalist in Olympic wrestling as well as a UFC uh, fighter, UFC contender. What would you say each of those things brings you to a no-gi match? Like are, there things, are there things that you learn from each of those that you apply in no-gi jiu-jitsu? I would say that the um, intensity of the match and the speed and the explosiveness is really, it favors no-gi. So with my wrestling background, obviously the takedowns, but um, just the style of no-gi matches everything's a little slipperier everything you know like is more explosive and it favors that and so does fighting so with the gi you know like it's a more technical chess match it slows things down like um just the clothing you know creates more friction you're not able to like slide into things as easily and it's harder to get out of things also um so that's what wrestling and mma you know kind of helped me in the no-gi competitions would you say that you have a bit of a more relaxed pace when you're not getting hit in the face? <laughs> it's not a relaxed pace, but um, they're just different threats. You know, like um, when I, I can be more patient and calm when I know I'm not in a position that someone can just start hammer fisting my face. You know, like that's the urgency to get out of those situations are, you know, a lot stronger. And But then I think that in the no-gi competitions, I make, typically I make less mistakes. So, um because I can stop and I can, I can, you know, have a pace where I can think a little bit and I can react and, you know, use my instincts a little bit too. So it's a good blend. But with fighting, um, you know, if you're thinking you're kind of a little bit behind and you, you just need to go. Do you, do you have a specific game plan for your match today or is it the kind of thing that you want to see where the match goes and sort of take it wherever it flows? No, uh, with, especially with grappling, um, I don't really game plan. I just trust my training. I trust my partners and my instincts, and I just go out there and compete. And that's the same thing I did with wrestling. In fighting, I have a little bit of a game plan because I know who I'm competing against. And, you know, it's just knowing their strengths is good, but um, I just found it in wrestling and you know, definitely in no-gi, it's easier if I just don't and I go out there and I'm, I'm not thinking I'm just going more. 
What's uh, next for you after uh, Pro Jitsu? Do you see yourself having more Jiu Jitsu super matches or anything on the horizon in the UFC? Yeah, I have a fight scheduled May 29th, but if I can get another jiu-jitsu competition or something like that in before, I definitely am looking for it, but I just have to make sure that my training is, well, I have to get it approved by the UFC, and then I have to make sure that my training is, you know, I can't focus on that and not get ready for my fight, so priorities, you know. We actually have we have a super fight card May 1st in Durham, North Carolina, and another one in September in Durham, North Carolina. So if you'd like to exchange information, we'd really be interested in getting you on that card if that's something that you're open to. Yeah, I, I'm not sure if the UFC would let me compete that close. Um, but if they do, then that would be, that'd be awesome. So um, just one more thing, like what, what kind of strengths do you think are your main strengths in Nogi Jiu-Jitsu that people watching the match today can be looking for? Um, I think that mostly is explosiveness and um, good hips and agility um, obviously takedowns are my strength you know but um, I, I do like I like a higher harder pace you know so I'm constantly trying to keep people from slowing me down and you know making it a slower match I want it to be a fast match I want more scrambles best of luck to you it's a real pleasure meeting you and interviewing you and so I think that, so a couple things that I want to pull out there. First of all, it's kind of awesome that she might be interested in a match on the carnival. Yeah, uh, absolutely. That'd be great. And second, like, when, when, uh, like, I also thought, you know, this plays into what we said before about how impressive Amber was and that, like, clearly from that strategic conversation, Sarah wanted to create more scrambles. Sarah wanted to create more sort of, like, controlled chaos where she could catch something in transition and I thought where Amber did very well is she was able to stall out position or not she wasn't stalling but she, she was able to trap Sarah in her closed guard she was able to achieve an effective half guard and she was able to really uh, to, to prevent Sarah from separating her arms from her body uh, to attack submissions and so that's so that match was a fun match that went to a draw and um, and thanks to Sarah McMahon for competing and uh, I really enjoyed watching it yeah absolutely great uh it's awesome to see someone at the the level of competition that Sarah Man is at to come to to shows like this. And another person that there was a real coup for them to get was Gibson Saw. Gibson, who has a very successful school in South Carolina, who is a successful, uh, who is you know, a world class jiu-jitsu competitor and also a successful MMA fighter. And I'm really excited to get into our our interview with Gibson. But uh, let's talk about his match briefly first, which is he competed against James Booth from Henzo Gracie, Philadelphia. James, a very game opponent, college basketball player, very athletic. And uh, I thought I thought that was a really fun match that ended in Gibson sort of snatching an ankle lock and taking it and taking it home pretty fast. Yeah, absolutely. It was a uh, pretty exciting to watch at the beginning. Uh, those big boys running a match station real quick. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you and I were sitting on the on the on the on the concrete in the front row, and I thought we were going to have to like dive for cover or, or get squashed by yeah. about, by about four hundred and fifty pounds of man muscle. Yeah, that was terrifying. So, folks, if you haven't heard from Gibson Saw before, I think you're going to be really interested in this interview. He talks a lot about his lineage, his match with Hector Lombard. He talks a lot about his family, and he talks about his potential uh, future in MMA and why, um, why, and why he wants to do that. So, let's uh, let's hear from Gibson Saw for about the next 11 minutes. My name is Gibson Saw. I'm coming out of Columbia, South Carolina, out of Spartan Academy. I'm weighing at 2:30 right now. Um, the weight there is no weigh in for our matches, so open weight. So. Uh, Excited. It's going to be fun. Now, you've had the transition to mixed martial arts. Um, do you feel less pressure for jiu-jitsu matches now, now that you're not getting hit in the face, possibly? 
Um, I treat it the same as far as training, uh, prepare the same way, you know, do my best to be to be ready and everything. But also, um, like you said, it's a different feeling, you know. So I think now I can say in jiu-jitsu I'm a lot more comfortable because I don't have to worry about someone um, kick me or punch me. You know, I have a, a title fight to defend my title in four weeks now. So the goal is, uh, you know, stay stay healthy on this match and go for the MMA. You've also you've competed against and beaten some of the biggest names in jiu-jitsu. You have many jiu-jitsu titles, wins over Hector Lombard, and you competed against also Rodolfo Vieira and folks like that. What have you learned from that that has enabled you, that has helped you to become successful in jiu-jitsu matches and MMA? I think just time. You know, my uh, my younger brother now who just made his debut on the black belt. I think it's uh, you got to really put a time into it. You know, I've been a black belt for six years, and I I probably got beat most mostly in the past six years than any other belt. So I think. Uh, Every match, win you lose, you got to learn something. You know that's why I fight every super fight that I can, every competition that I can, to be able to get better, to evolve. You know, so it's. Uh, I think that's uh, just the secret. Just put time into it and wait. You know, work hard and wait. From what I've seen, is that jujitsu is very much part of your family. Uh, your father and your brothers. Um, how, how far back does your lineage go? Yeah, we are. I mean, we're very near lineage. You know, my father was a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu red belt. My brother is a red and black belt. Um, my father actually learned from a Japanese master, uh, Takeo Yano, um, in Brazil, which he was uh, straight from Japan. And also, my daddy earned his black belt from uh, a black belt from Hideo Gracie. So our lineage it comes all the way from the origin, and um, you know, it's something that we're very proud to uh, to. Uh, to talk about it, to uh, to represent, you know. So um, yeah, my my whole family. We started. We never trained in other gym. I mean, besides with my father. Um, my father's a nine degree nine degree red belt. Um, my brother's seven degree red and black. My uh, I'm a second degree black belt, and my younger brother now is a black belt. Hobson Sa. So <laughs> it'll be it'll be tough to mess with our sisters. <laughs> are you are you the only member of your family living stateside, or does your family live in the states as well? Do you guys all travel and train together still? No, they're all in Brazil actually. My brother and my 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 daddy passed away a few years ago, three years ago. Um, my older brother and my younger brother Chicha at the headquarters in Brazil, the SAS team headquarters. And I'm from the family. I'm the only one here. But we have uh, many black belts in different states in the country. You know, so the team is uh, growing pretty pretty well. Um, we got affiliations in Virginia, in uh, Philadelphia, New Jersey, New York, Arizona. So there's a lot of you know growing there. It's getting 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 popular. You also have a very successful school, and you teach seminars. Uh, how do you balance the role of yourself as an instructor and coach with yourself as a competitor in both jiu-jitsu and MMA? It's uh, it's very tough, you know. But I I make the gym as my house. You know, I spend more time at the gym than at actual home. Pretty much, we go home to sleep. You know, so. Um, that's that's what I live, you know. I think uh, I think it's it's definitely harder for you to prepare for a fight when you when you teach and you coach and everything. Most of the competitions I ref and then I coach and then I compete on the same day, so it's like uh, very tough. But again, if you enjoy it, I don't think it takes much of a toll, you know. Like people say that if you work at somewhere that you really like it, you're not working, you know. You're just having fun. So I think uh, I'm enjoying it, you know. It's uh, as long as I can do, I'm gonna keep trying to do it. What got you to transition to MMA? Was it just uh, did you see it was a different challenge for your jiu-jitsu, or is this something you wanted to do since you were a kid? I've actually, like, uh, my daddy used to be a little upset with me because I always like MMA more than jiu-jitsu, you know. Like, ah. since I was a kid, like, I used to be punching bags or whatever. It's like, I want to grow up, I want to be an MMA fighter. And they're always like, no, you're going to be a jiu-jitsu guy. Um, 
but I just I just always had the passion, you know, always like uh, got in trouble with school for fighting and everything. So it'd be it'd be something that I knew I was going to do it. And then uh, 2008, uh, at 21 years old, I did my first match in Brazil. And since then, been trying to fight more, you know, so uh, it took me five years to get back into the cage, you know, find opponents and everything. But now, uh, thank God, defending the chopping at the bit to fight you. I've seen you fight. Yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's been tough. You know, I was just talking to my uh, my next opponent. You know, I had a, a very unfortunate time in MMA because I had like 10 guys turning me down, you know, and it, it, I had guys leaving the venue on the, the night of the fight. So uh, the last fight, you know, it finally happened in five years since without fighting. It was 32 seconds, you know, so I think now I want to focus a little bit more on MMA and, and the biggest jiu-jitsu competitions, you know. So it's... Uh, it's fun. I love it. What, what do you see for yourself uh, after this, as far as both MMA? You said you have your title fight coming up, or uh, what other jiu-jitsu matches do you have on the horizon? Um, I have the title fight defense on April 30th in Colombia now, and conflict. conflict yes, um, I'm fighting Derek Brown in Columbia, South Carolina, defending my light heavyweight title. And um, the next big competition for me will be the Worlds, uh, June 1st to the 5th in California. So uh, then, you know, Worlds no gi, Pan Am's no gi. Um, there's a, the ADCC tryouts in New Jersey in the end of the year. I'm also having a daughter, first first daughter born in July. Oh, congratulations, so sir. Congratulations. So it's going to be tough to manage the time now, you know. Yes. But, you know, like I said, as long as you, you're enjoying it, you just you got a lot, enough energy to keep going, you know. Do you have a specific game plan for your match today? Do you make specific game plans for jiu-jitsu super fights like this, or do you just kind of go out and see what happens? I'm going to be completely honest with you. Like, I, I watched James a couple matches. You know, I didn't watch it much. I don't like to worry so much about the guy. You know, the, 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 my wife watches, my, my students watch it. They give me some inputs or whatever. But unless it's something that, you know, MMA fight or, you know, jiu-jitsu is grappling. So I think... Uh, Whatever I know, I believe it that, that we'll work out and, uh, you know, I just work hard towards me. Like I did my preparation, my physical preparation. I did my, my, my workouts, you know, my routine of training, stretches and everything. So I think uh, see what happens today. You know, I feel, feel great, feel excited. So there's a, I think if I do mine, he won't be able to do his, you know. So it's, uh, so I always believe when I go to fight. So a lot of our listeners will have seen your match with Hector Lombard, which was pretty famous. People shared that match a lot. Did you have a game plan for that match, or was it the same thing you just described? For Lombard, we trained like completely different. Like for Lombard, we trained we train actually three months for his matches. Um, not specifically what I wanted to do, what I was going to do. I knew that he was very good at takedowns. You know, I knew that he was going to be able to take me down eventually because, you know, Olympic wrestling. So I was trying... trying to train a lot of takedown defenses, a lot of footlock defenses, which was, you know, his, uh, his forte, and um, a lot of submissions. You know, I like to train looking for submissions. So the takedown defense woke out in the first, you know, first three attempts, and then I saw that he started getting frustrated. And uh, I knew that his next attempt would be, you know, try to go for a footlock submission or a leg lock or something. That's when we capitalized on the, the back and got the submission, you know. But... I tell everyone, man, that guy is amazing. He's like one of the fastest guys. He's by far the fastest guy I've ever grappled in my life, you know. Um, even though I grapple with, you know, Bushesha, Rodolfo, all these guys, Hector Lombard is a, is a, is a, a different level, you know. So I was uh, a very fortunate to finish the match that quick, you know. Not a lot of people talk about, you know, oh, the guy's an MMA guy or whatever. The guy on the same, the same night after my match, he got mad and everything. He tapped 10 guys in less than, than five minutes, you know, back to back to back to back. So it tells you. Um, that he's not, you know, even though he's an MMA guy, he's a high-level grappler, you know. 
Steve Hall in Charlotte, they had a benefit seminar for him, which was where you know you taught at that. And I'm just wondering how you got involved with that, and is that something that you enjoyed? Do you enjoy teaching seminars, being part of this jiu-jitsu community here in the Carolinas? Oh yeah, that was a great opportunity to help a good friend. You know, Steve. I've been I've been seeing Steve since the first Naga that I did. Um, you know, and always trying to support my students, always being a good ref. So. Um, I don't even remember who contacted me. I think it was Jeremy or Paulo who contacted me to do the seminar. It was actually John Plyer that contacted me, and I said, uh, you know, sure, man, it would be, be love to do it. And, uh, I, I like to teach seminars. I enjoy teaching. Um, I love to fight the most, you know, but it's good to see people learning new techniques and, and getting excited about their jiu-jitsu, you know. So I, uh, every time that I have a chance, I, I try to travel, do seminars and everything, and it's, uh, I think people enjoy it, you know. I hope so. So. I did. I learned a lot from that seminar. Um, how do you feel about the, the community in the Carolinas? Have you gotten to travel around much? Like you said, you went to the Steve Hall thing. What did you feel about the uh, the atmosphere there? And, and do you, did you enjoy the general com- camaraderie here? Is is that familiar to you at all? Since I got here, it changed a lot. It's actually got much, much better. You know, when I got to Colombia, I was a very upset, you know, sad or whatever, because as soon as I got there, there's people messaging me on Facebook and saying, you know, what are you doing here? What are you wanting to do in Colombia? Yeah, and I'm like... I'm not sure how much time you spin around Raleigh or Charlotte, but we're really laid back in North Carolina. You know, I'm trying to build a program, you know, bring jiu-jitsu to an area that didn't have much jiu-jitsu or whatever, and people received me like I was a threatening, you know, threatening people. So um, now, you know, we've been, I've been in South Carolina for four and a half years, almost five years now, and, you know, been competing as much as I can. My students have been showing you the mats, you know, that's about respect, that's about discipline. Our, our team is very organized. Our students all look at the same when they find in the competitions. When you're losing, you're going to see a good attitude for them. So I think with that, they started respecting us and start understanding that we, we're not just a, any person that just got in town, you know. Um, like I tell everyone, jiu-jitsu is not something for me that I do for fun. For It's my life, you know. So I, I don't joke around. I don't play around it. And, um, you know, overall, I, uh, I have a good relationship with everyone in the Car- uh, South Carolina and North Carolina. Everyone rece- receives me very well. Everyone say yeah, a lot of respectful things. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not the best around the Carolinas or whatever. There's a lot of good black belts. These guys are, you know, working hard every day. And, uh, you know, I'm happy to be in the community and be able to bring the Carolinas name out there. You know, when I go to California or Pan Am's in New York or whatever, people ask me, like, where are you coming from? You know, South Carolina. It's like, South Carolina? That's a place. <laughs> so, you know, we start putting the name out on, out on the map. And not just me, you know, like I said, there's, there's world champions out in North Carolina. There's world champions in South Carolina. We have kids that are national uh, Pan Am's and international IBJJF champions. So it's, uh, you know... They definitely are hearing from us over there, so it's uh, exciting to be able to bring the the name of the Carolinas out to the jiu-jitsu public. We'd love to get you up in North Carolina sometime. We have a good group of uh, goobers up there, and we all get along pretty well, so maybe we'll show you some good times to get some barbecue or something like that. I'd love to, man. North Carolina is always fun when I go there, and uh, I'll be, be happy to visit you guys, you know. Absolutely. It'll be fun. We're very excited to learn from you, very excited to watch you compete today. Gibson Saab, best of luck to you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, and thank you guys for having me. So I had a lot of fun talking to Gibson Saw, and I had a lot of fun watching his match with James Booth. So Trevor, we have about 90 seconds left in the show. Any final thoughts about Pro Jitsu 4? No, I was was really happy to uh, make it out. I remember making it out to the first one when we had it out in Fayetteville, so it's great to see uh, the progression. And uh, 
the people that they're really bringing to these shows that have been a sold-out crowd. So it was great to see the growth of it. It's always great to see the growth of local martial arts. So congratulations to those guys to putting on a successful show. Um, that's our show for this week. You can catch the replay on whoopfm.org, on iTunes or Stitcher, and please subscribe to us. We'll also put up the show on SoundCloud, and we interviewed every competitor, so I might put together a bonus podcast with some of the extra interviews this week, so be sure to watch Facebook for that. For Trevor Hayes, my name is Jeff Shaw. Trevor, say goodbye to the people. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> Thank you all so much for watching. I'm Jeff Shaw. He's Trevor Hayes, and we will see you next Sunday.